You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you're on this disciple's journey with me, as this week we begin our study in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 through 31, we'll be reading that this week. I want to simply remind you as we begin that this Amateur Church Podcast is a call for anyone who is tired of church being a programmed organization. I say each week that I want to be an amateur, at least in the sense that how I lead, preach, and serve is based on love. That's what amateur really means, one who loves what they do. I want my love for Jesus Christ and my love for others to be my motivation. And so this is not a push to become lazy or unskilled in our abilities. In fact, I believe that when churches get back to being amateurs, we will actually see a greater excellence in our lifestyles for Jesus. So thank you for joining me in rejecting a professional Christianity that seeks our own glory, building our own kingdoms, and rather rediscovering a passion for Christ and His church. So as we begin the book of Jeremiah this week, we are going to see uh, that this prophetic book, one of the longest books in the Old Testament, uh, was so powerful during this time of uh, captivity for the Israelites in the land of Babylon. And so I want to give you in today's episode, Theological Truths, some background information, some lessons we can learn, and to hopefully build a foundation for where we're headed this week as we look at the uh, the apologetic issues, some evangelistic issues, and that we see, hopefully, application for our lives for worship. So let's begin with the man himself. Jeremiah, the name actually means the Lord appoints or calls. And this is, an, this is a great point to make because at the very beginning of the book, we see Jeremiah called by God. Look with me, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verse 4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. We see God's call on Jeremiah and his life. And this this reveals several things. First, it reveals God's specific care and plan for us, that if God calls us, we know it's because he cares for us. And probably the most famous section of Jeremiah is Jeremiah chapter 29. And usually we read just one verse, but I want you to kind of pay attention to the context of what, what Jeremiah is told and, and shares. Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah speaking to Israel says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Not Jeremiah, but the Lord. God himself is saying, I have plans for you. I have called you and I care for you. Plans for welfare. That word is peace there. And not for calamity to give you a hope and a future. But while this becomes what we've termed as a coffee cup verse or a verse you stick on your wall and claim, listen, you've got to understand the context. Where are they in this passage? Well, Jeremiah is talking about their captivity. And notice what God says in verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And here's the promise. I will be found of you declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, 
declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you in exile. You see, what we've got to realize is that even though God does care for us and has plans for us, his glory is greater to him than uh, than our luxury and our comfort. And so notice, yes, it's true. God has a plan to prosper them, but he also had a plan to do what? Send them into exile. He initiated that because of their sin and their rebellion against him. And so we've got to be careful when we use verses like that to say, well, God only plans good things in my path. No, God allows bad things for your good. Ultimately, the motivation is good, but he allows things that don't seem so good in that particular time. But why? Because God is the one who calls. God is the one who appoints. God is the one who cares. So we listen to him. This also shows that Jeremiah, in the midst of a a promise that uh, pain was going to take place, separation was going to take place, exile was going to take place, Jeremiah actually reveals a heart that desired to serve God. Even when he really didn't want to, it became, as he uh, says, a fire in his bones. Look at Jeremiah chapter 20. Verse 7, he's going to lay a complaint before God, and he says, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. Jeremiah is not indicting God for his character, but the consequences and circumstances that are coming upon Jeremiah, and he's pouring out his complaint. It's okay. God can handle this. Notice, he says, You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction because... For me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. Now listen to verse 9 because it seems like Jeremiah is throwing his hands up and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. Listen to verse 9. But if I say, I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. And so he's, this, this message, though, is not one of nice pleasantries and where everybody's going to applaud and clap. It is a message of, of judgment, a message of warfare from God. And he says, it's a fire in my bones that I've got to share. I've got to speak. Uh, somebody asked me even just yesterday, uh, Matt, how do you know if you're called into ministry? And I said, listen, if you've tried to do everything else and you, you can't get away from it, That's a pretty good sign. Now, that's not the only sign. Don't misunderstand me. But we know when it's a fire in your bones that you have to speak on behalf of God, you have to serve on behalf of God, uh, that's when you know, man, I I, I have a calling. uh, I'm I'm, uh, appointed and, yes, anointed for a specific role that God has for me. And so you've got to figure that out. Uh, Jeremiah, in being called, some people are called to vocational ministry, meaning they're in uh, their, their life, their their vocation, their job, their calling is one of, of complete, utter service in a vocational way. Uh, and, and many of these, as Ephesians 4 would say, pastors, teachers, evangelists, um, if you still believe that apostles and prophets are, are, are used today, um, depending on what, what particular denominational bent you may have, uh, but specifically, there are people that are gifted to the church to equip the church for the work of ministry. And so that's a calling. But then I believe every person is called to be a minister. Every because we we are equipped 
for the work of ministry, meaning every person is working in ministry. And so every person should serve in some way. You are called to serve. And then there are called servants of the Lord for vocational ministry. And and Jeremiah is one of these called prophets. Not every person is a Jeremiah, but there he was called. And you see that in his uh, heart desiring to serve. We also see in how the Word of God uh, caused him to be a weeping prophet. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4. He felt the weight of sin around him. One of the key uh, examples or one of the key elements of a call for ministry is you feel the weight of sin around you. Look at chapter 4 verse 19. He says, my soul, my soul, I am in anguish. Oh, my heart, my heart is pounding in me. I cannot be silent because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Disaster on disaster is proclaimed for the whole land is devastated. Verse 22, for my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil, but to do good they do not know. Jeremiah felt this weight that God had on him, this weight of sin of the people. And so we we need to be aware of that, that as uh, called individuals, we, we see the world around us. And there should be, even as Paul says in Romans 9, there's this grief that I have because though I worship God, I have kinsmen who do not know God. We'll see that in just a moment. But look at... Uh, look at Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 10 through 15. For the mountains I will take up a weeping and wailing, for the pastures of wilderness a dirge, because they are laid waste so that no one passes through, and the lowing of the cattle is not heard. Both the birds of the sky and the beast have fled, they are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. Listen to verse 12. Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined, laid waste like a desert so that no one passes through? The Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but have walked after the stubbornness of their hearts and after the bells as their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them this people with wormwood and give them poisoned water to drink. God is pouring out his wrath upon them. And Jeremiah fears that wrath upon the people. Jeremiah is going to associate with them and identify with these people. And that's the calling of a prophet of God to say, listen, we stand in the midst of the wrath of God. But a prophet did not just feel the weight of sin and fear the wrath, but a prophet wept for repentance. And one of my favorite passages in all the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. Listen to these words. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and he will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. He says, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Jeremiah, by God, says, blessed is that man who trusts in the Lord and the ways of the Lord. 
Jeremiah weeps for the repentance of mankind. And this for us is uh, are, are the theological truths that we need to center our hearts on, be anchored upon, that we are sinful, wretched creatures, that the wrath of God is upon his people. But God has provided a way for repentance and redemption, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jeremiah represents for us uh, this great prophet that is not afraid to speak of sin and not afraid to point people to wrath and not afraid to ultimately say, repent for the king kingdom of God is at hand. Jeremiah would stand as one of these great prophets, much like Isaiah, much like Haggai, much like uh, these Old Testament prophets, and then ultimately John the Baptist, and then the great prophet, the greatest Jesus Christ, who was not just prophet, but he was our prophet, our priest, and our king. So as you read the book of Jeremiah, see in him his heart for service, his call to be a prophet. The book as a whole is really the longest book of the Bible. You're going to read 52 chapters, and it's full of uh, of of uh, all of this great information. Now there are uh, some uh, some places that it may not make sense, and yet uh, it's going to provide for us the gospel. And I want to walk you through that uh, the, this week and next week. Uh, just to give you a little bit more background on the book, the time period is 626 to 586 BC. So the very uh, beginning of the captivity of Judah uh, by Babylon. It's the last 40 years of Judah's history. Remember, Israel was destroyed in 722 BC. Judah ultimately falls. Uh, the the conquest by Babylon begins in 605, but ultimately falls in 586, 587 BC. Uh, and, and this is where the city is destroyed, the temple is destroyed. But the majority of the focus is on, as you heard earlier, the repentance of Judah to turn back. They were promised. God promised them, listen, you're going to go into captivity, but it's in this time that I want you to repent. So, therefore, the audience, it's personal to Jeremiah. We see that in chapter 1 and 34 and through 45. It's national to Judah, chapters 2 through 33. But then we also know that it's international uh, to foreign nations, chapters 46 through 51. And I'll walk you through how all of that is seen because God's word is for us. It's personal for us. It's national in the sense that we are a uh, a new creation, a, a citizen of of, of heaven, uh, citizens of heaven. We are a royal priesthood, so it's for the church, but it's also for the world, for the world to receive Christ. And the only way is through this specific revelation of God to the world. And so ultimately, the book of, of, of Jeremiah is going to point us to Jesus. And you will see this throughout the week, but I want to go ahead and give you these passages, uh, two that are very clear about Jesus Christ. First, uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord 
our righteousness. And how does this take place? Well, Christ comes. He's going to die, be buried, and then rise again. And then we see God provides in Christ a new covenant. Look at Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will... Uh, Within them, and on their heart, I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. So we will close out this week with chapter 31 as we see this new covenant. And that will lead us into next week's chapter 32 through the end of uh, Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations. But for this week, our focus, 1 through 31, remember Jeremiah being called as a prophet that we are called to see our own sin, to remind the world that we face the wrath of God, but that Jesus Christ took on that wrath for us, and we now can repent and have life everlasting, life eternal. And that is the prayer point for this week, that we would see the salvation of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and even in our struggles, uh, even in captivity for some, that we would wait and we would watch for God to move for our salvation, for He does know the plans He has for us to prosper us so that we might seek Him. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.